Hi, I'm Eric. You might see me as an ordinary person, but I've been living with a brain injury for nearly two years. One of my struggles is short-term memory loss. At Opportunity Project, I'm given hope and support, and I've gained my comments back through the job placement program. Despite my challenges, I have a reason to keep improving. Today, even though life has changed me, I believe that anything is possible. If you have a brain injury, you don't have to face your road to recovery alone. Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I am Steve Arabato. As always, as you watch us on News 12 Plus every Sunday and all the other platforms that my colleague, I'm about to introduce Mary Gamma, co-host. Uh, I could not do this show without Mary. Oh, thank you, Steve. I couldn't do this show without you. Well, I probably could, but it wouldn't be as engaging and interactive and fun. I can't believe you. I didn't have no <laughs> idea why. You, listen, I was being magnanimous, saying I couldn't do it without you. And you're like, I pro never mind. You've Come trained me well. Before we bring in Patrick Dunnigan, uh, the chairman and managing director of the great Gibbons law firm, Gibbons PC, has been with us before. Let's uh, tell folks how to find us and then who sponsors us. Sure. Uh, you could find us at Apple Podcast and Spotify and Google Play, as well as on stand-deliver.com, which is our website. Check it out. We have a lot of valuable articles up there on communication and leadership. You can also follow Steve on Facebook at Steve Adubato PhD, as well as on Twitter at Steve Adubato. And I'd love to thank all of our uh, great funders of this program. We have Gibbons PC, first and most importantly, uh, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Got it. You ready? There he is. He's in the boardroom at uh, the great Gibbons Law Firm, Patrick Dunnigan, Chairman and Managing Director of Gibbons PC. Good to see you, Patrick. Good to see you, Steve and Mary. Nice to see you. By the way, you could tell the train station. Patrick's by the train station in Newark. You, no, Sorry no, Patrick, that. it's all good. We're live. Listen, <laughs> it, as, as the great Bill, Bill O'Reilly once said, we'll do it live. Well, we're doing this live. <laughs> uh, Patrick, that. you know, Patrick, it's so interesting. I know the room you're in. We've talked about this before. You actually joined us on our PBS sister, one of our PBS sister programs just recently. You're in the boardroom, right? I am. As we do this program at the end of June, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be joining Patrick. Patrick will be joining us at his firm. Um, the Gibbons Law Firm, we do a Leadership Institute, Leadership Academy there. Patrick, you and I will be doing a Q&A. Talk real quick about the importance of leadership development, communication development, business development development for lawyers. Yeah, so Steve, you were part of the beginning of the creation of the Gibbons Leadership Academy a few years ago. Uh, we determined that the skill of sales <laughs> or salesmanship does not come naturally to lawyers. There's a lot of library commandos, if you will, who'd love to just you know, work in the library and write briefs and not interact with people. But we realized that that's not sustainable for a firm of our size. Everybody has to be an entrepreneur. So that's when we started the Gibbons Leadership Academy, trying to give our lawyers the skills that, that, that they can develop to be good leaders and good salespeople. So, becoming the trusted advisor to a client is the number one skill so that people will call you and seek out your opinion, your legal opinion, your advice. All right. And so that's what you've been helping us do now for years. And it's a multifaceted program. Sure. You're, you're dealing with a very high class of young partners right now. Uh, but we, we start training our young people from the day they get in here. We call that Gibbons 101 and, 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 and it proceeds from there. 
You know what's interesting about that, and Mary will jump in in a minute, is that a big theme that we've been working on, um, leadership in the age of COVID-19, is about innovation. And I'm curious about this. To what degree do you believe, as a strategic visionary leader, who's also tactical and operational, we don't have the option of being one or the other, right? You're a details guy, but you're a big pictures guy, right? Here's the question. To what degree do you believe the profession of law, being a leader, in law has changed forever because of COVID? I think there's been, you know, just so many changes that it's even hard to try to think about what's going to go back to being the same. So one thing for sure, we've demonstrated and proven that our lawyers can work remotely, that they don't have to come in every single day and sit at their desk. So we're going to let them do that. But if they want to come in and sit at their desk, if they find that they're more productive, we're going to let them do that, right? I think over the next decade, you're going to have a, a huge contraction of commercial leasing space. And firms like mine, like in New York First, are going to go to conference center and workspace. And you're not going to have a designated desk where you put your family's picture on the mantle in your office. That's going to go away. I really believe that. Not for firms like mine that are going to be part of the Newark fabric for the next, you know, 100 years, additional 100 years. Part of the right? community. But, exactly. So we're always going to have a presence for sure. It just may be smaller. Also, one of the things we've done during our reopening plan is we've respected the Newark mayor's be still Monday order. So we're not opening on Mondays during our reopening plan, which is a 10-week gradual reopening process. Right? Um, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to work on Mondays. What we've demonstrated, well, they all work, but they're working right. remotely. Right. You, you're, you're taking away people's commute of an hour and a half, two hours to get here, hour and a half, two hours to get home. So their productivity we've seen sure. has really risen incredibly. All right. Um, so the, the biggest thing that we think is, is going to be a problem for us is that um, unless we get the economy reopened, the work's going to dry up. I was talking to Mary earlier about this, that we're a lagging industry. We were busy. We, had, we were up 10% in the first quarter. Then all of a sudden, we shut the lights off on March 13 and told everybody, don't come back. Right? So they were still busy. They had all that work. What's going to happen in two months when you know, the, the economy hasn't fully reopened and all that work that they had is done? You know, we have to get going. We have to get the courts open. We have to have motion practice. We have to have depositions. We need trials to resume, all of which is a big question mark right now. Well, Patrick, one thing that we were talking Tyler about Mary, earlier. Mary, before you, as you're jumping in, how much did you love when Patrick talked about the commuting time? Oh, I loved it. I, I always <laughs> smile when people talk about that. My commute. And Steve, I, I would love for one week. I don't Mary's think... never coming back to the office. Oh, no. I told Patrick, it's over. I, I already gave up my space. I, 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 I took all my pictures out of my office. and An hour know, each way? Uh, it was an hour to go 18 miles because where wow. I live in Westfield to go to Montclair, it's literally 10 miles on the parkway. It's 135 to 148. And it would take me 45 minutes just for that stretch. And then it's another, you know, six, seven minutes on each end to get, you know, off of the parkway. So, so more productive now, right? More life-changing. Absolutely. Go ahead. Have that Patrick Dunnigan. Go ahead. Yeah. So Patrick, we are all able to quote unquote work from home, which is fantastic. You talked about the productivity of the, your team. However, 
I'm really curious to see, and it'll be interesting how the future holds, how do we engage with our customers, our clients, um, those people that your uh, legal team are serving if they're doing it remotely, because you're losing that face-to-face, -face. you're losing that, hey, let's go out and grab a bite to eat, or that meeting in a conference room, you're doing it all remotely. Do you feel that we're gonna lose some of the uh, personal engagement, the hugging, the, you know, that little bit more? Um, how is that gonna change? Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're ever gonna be shaking hands anytime in the near future. I miss that so much. <laughs> really? <laughs> Even I do. When, I, I love, I know Steve, you're a germaphobe, but I like shaking hands. I love hugging. No, I'm, I, I'm Italian. What are you talking about? Patrick and I hug all the time. Oh, I know. <laughs> so you don't think hugging and shaking hands is part of the relationship I, thing, Patrick? I don't think, I don't think that's coming back anytime in the near future. Because even as we're starting to engage with other folks socially, as we're allowed to do outside 25 people and then 100 people soon. Again, by the way, know, we're at the end of June. Things will change. Go ahead, Patrick. That, that's right. So... You know, the fist bump is now a, a deal. The elbow bump is a, is a big deal. And I think that's going to stick around for a little bit. But in terms of engagement, uh, I just said to uh, my tech fella here, um, I didn't know what Zoom was. I thought it was a, a 70s TV show, right, <laughs> on PBS. And all of a sudden, I, on March 13, we're all Zooming each other, yes. right? <laughs> Zuma, 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 <laughs> right? And you had to learn to communicate on Zoom. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, let people understand, let people in on a secret, Patrick. The camera on my computer is a little bit, you're here, but the camera's yeah. up here. We had, we've had to learn and practice how to look into the camera when the people are actually on the screen. Not easy. Right. So, for example, you know, I was listening to the radio and I got some Zoom tips. So my laptop at home is on top of three books so that I don't have nine chins in the camera, you know? <laughs> You've got to learn these things, the lighting, the looking into the camera. And by the way, running meetings, Patrick, this is interesting. By the way, log on to our website, stand-deliver.com. I wrote an article, a series of articles on leading during the pandemic. Then we did a follow-up on presenting remotely, leading meetings remotely. That being said, Patrick, you are a very engaging, involved, and very direct, let's say, meeting facilitator who demands participation. How the heck are you doing that remotely? Because that's a skill. So I honestly can say that starting that first day, March 13, I have never been busier than I've been over the last 100 days. And usually, it would start around four o'clock in the afternoon in terms of the real intense activity. And it would go to 10 o'clock at night because I was dealing with the problems of the day or the problems of tomorrow, right? And, and it was all by personal engagement. So I never got off the cell phone. I was always talking to one of our partners, one of our administrators, you know, doing a roundup of, of what the issues were. Every Tuesday, we would come together, my, my senior executive team, and we'd come into this room and sort out the plan for coming back or looking at how we're going to continue to change things. So talk about the innovation that you mentioned. Yeah, our, go. Our entire billing system has changed. It, it, it used to be these big, thick, blue pieces of paper, hard copy. Everything is online now. And it's extremely efficient. So we've improved our time in inventory, getting the, the bills out the door immensely. And it's never going back. Right. But in terms of engagement, Steve, I was very reluctant at the beginning 
of this pandemic to be one of those cliche CEOs. You know, you and I talked about this right at the beginning in early March. Literally the first few days. Yes. Patrick, real quick, you're talking about you don't want to be one of those CEOs. You and I were talking about this early on in the pandemic. Go ahead. Well, I, I didn't want to be cliche, right? And, and I didn't want to make this pandemic about me because it wasn't about me. It was about everything that, that we were sharing. It was a shared sacrifice. So I was very reluctant to send out that ubiquitous email that we all were getting uh, in the early days of this. But I can tell you this. When I did start communicating, and it was really once every two weeks or so, um, I really, really tapped into something here at the firm among our, our 400 employees. They were moved. They were, they were concerned because I would make it personal, give them an update about what was happening, you know, for my, my sister, the doctor, the chief of That's surgery right. at the VA in Rhode Island, or the speech pathologist at the nursing home in New Jersey who got the COVID. And I really connected with them. And they were so grateful that we did not lay a single person off, that we kept them in their jobs. Even if you're a receptionist and there was no one to recept, okay, you still were paid. We furloughed no one. But Patrick, so, but the, we, we actually did, and I told you that as well. What about the fiscal implications of that? Yeah, so because we had been through the, the Great Recession in 2008 and 2009, we understood the value of keeping all of our people employed. During that time period, the legal industry shredded 14,000 jobs. Gibbons laid off zero. And our no employees were so grateful that when we came back you know, to, to full strength, they were going to be willing to do even more for our clients and for this firm. And I just was downstairs right before we, I came up here for this. And one of the secretary, and of course, I'm fully masked up. Uh, and one of the secretaries, also masked up, started to cry. What did it mean to you? Well, it was, it was emotional for me because it hasn't been easy. That's the one thing I said to her, <laughs> that we don't know the outcome. We're sort of in the middle of the story right now, but we were able to keep these people employed and it was really hard. And, and, and the uncertainty and the unknown of what, where, what the future holds was really scary for a lot of people. So that was why one of those, uh, you know, every two week email from the CEO did have such value to the people here. It gave them reassurance that things were going to be okay. And then when we issued a comprehensive reopening plan, which I'll put up against any company in the country, right? They were so moved that we cared so much about their health and safety that we, the, no minute detail was left out. Mary, jump back in. By the way, Mary, I know, talk about adapting and adjusting. We're supposed to have two guests on this show. My feeling is, let's just do Patrick. You and I will talk after. We'll have that other guest on another show. Um, that's what happens with Patrick. No, that's he, fantastic. He pulls and us in. But, but it's very personal for Patrick. I can tell, not just from now, but for knowing him for so many years. Get back in, Mary. Yeah, one of the greatest leadership traits that I found and in leaders like you, Patrick, is really you can not only, you know, it's one thing to say that you care about your team and you can put it in a memo and to me, it, it's just you can feel the passion as you're talking about it. And as you got choked up talking about that team member who obviously got emotional as well. 
And just from the top down, you can see that that's really made a difference in your organization. So I just wanna applaud you for that. And if I were Steve, I'd do one of those little applaud emojis on the bottom of the Zoom screen right now, but I Don't won't. make me look for it, I'll screw up the He's whole production. Gonna do it. Don't screw up the production. <laughs> uh, but Patrick, have you found, uh, you mentioned that obviously all those team members are super appreciative. And have you found any resistance though in adapting and, and being innovative? And because change is hard, no matter how appreciative anyone is, Change is extremely, extremely challenging. Have you noticed any resistance or um, you know, lack of buy-in? Um, have you noticed any of that from your team? And if so, how did you uh, deal with it? Yeah, I, I don't think, given all that we've all been through, there really hasn't been a tremendous amount of pushback, right? Mm -hmm. You both know my executive director very well, June Inderweiss, and we, you know, we, really, really focused on the fundamentals, the X's and O's of our business. And what lawyers do is that we build time. That's our widget, right? We can't, we don't have a product to, to make. We sell our own time. Service, so valuable the, service. The most important thing is to make sure people are taking care of the X's and O's. All right. So getting your timesheets done daily, right? Getting the pre-bills out during the first week of the month so that the the, the inventory is in the pipeline because a lot of clients don't pay between 60 to 120 days, all right? So we really, really, during the beginning days of this, focused on improving our hygiene, if you will, getting the time in. And that's where we run into the most difficulty because lawyers uh, have old habits and old habits, of course, die hard. So some people don't want to put their time in every single day or they don't want to do it themselves. They'd rather have their assistant put their time in. Well, we're trying to shake that up a little bit. We want them to put their time in every single day themselves. And then this way it'll improve the overall billing structure of the firm. Let me ask you this, Patrick, in the limited time we have left, I'm curious about this. Um, I know some people use the term work-life balance and one of my favorite books, <clears throat> again, I've got my whole leadership library here, Patrick, is, is this book called Off Balance. And it's written by uh, Matthew Kelly, and he basically, Matthew Kelly basically argues that we're out of balance. And this was obviously pre-COVID. So here's my question to you. You're an all-in leader. You're an all-in CEO. People can obviously tell from this interview. And for those of us who've known you as long as we have, you're just all in. What's the point? The question is, how do you separate? I mean, your family means a great deal to you. Um, <clears throat> you'll talk about it as much as you choose to right now. But do you have any sort of, not just balance, but boundaries? Because I'm always working at home. I'm always, and I'm, because my wife is a worker too that way. But we've got our kids, we're engaged, we're involved. But the point of the question is, how the heck do you separate? Or is it all just life? Yeah, so it, this is a hard time to, to, to be thinking about work-life balance, right? Because everything's How about work-life integration? Yeah, so for me, my life is, you know, is my work and my family. All right. Also, I serve you know, on a number of boards, including I'm the chairman of the board of Iona College Board of Trustees. All right. So that to me is my hobby because it's something that I enjoy doing. Watching my watching my kids play sports is my other hobby. Right. My daughter is uh, going to Boston College in in the fall, hopefully. Uh, and uh, she was a volleyball player, so I got to enjoy her game for four years in the fall. And my son plays lacrosse and football, or he used to, all right, before this pandemic. So that's, that's how I 
balance my work life. All right, I, I really enjoy watching youth sports and have been involved in coaching it. So, uh, but there's no days off. Okay. What do you mean? Uh, I've been in. Well, I've been in this job for 17 years now. All right. I don't put my phone down. I don't put my BlackBerry away years ago. Uh, it's a 24 hour day, seven day a week job, 365 days a year, because that's my job. Even and when I'm you're down the Jersey Shore hanging out, and I'm not going to mention our town, but we're down there. <laughs> you're working, aren't you? Always, always. You don't. You can't take Christmas off if there's a crisis. Right, right? but Patrick, Patrick, one thing that I have to By say. By the way, not though, talking about our daughter Olivia, who's nine, is yelling in another room. Where's my white pants? So my point I'm raising <laughs> is that, hey Olivia, could you keep it down? I'm doing a show. Right, I'm sorry, Mary. Yeah, ni nice leadership skills there, Steve. No wonder why your wife tells you to just stay out of it. <laughs> I'm doing the show. She's interrupting us. Go ahead. we got a few minutes left. You got it. So, Patrick, one of the biggest things, and I know we've talked about it before when you've been on the program with us, even back before when we were just an audio show, is really about being present. And I know for me that really took me a lot of maturity and, and just experience and practice. So even though you know that you're 365 days a year, you're tuned in if needed, how do you turn off work and be present and give that necessary time to your kids, to your family, and those other interests in your life? Well, when you, when you get to have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, you're, you're just an accessory at that point. Yeah, I know. Mine, I didn't realize. <laughs> Mary, mine, go ahead. Mine are exactly the same age I know. Here, so we got 16 and, and 17. Go ahead. We, accessory. What does that mean? Patrick, don't they know that you're the CEO? I was, I was trying to uh, <laughs> find the right word for uh, a necessary evil. <laughs> that, that is just there to, to pay the bills at this point and, and provide, provide a ride uh, on the weekend evenings, yeah. perhaps. You know, so... Uh, but yeah. I tried but, to be But hey, but what about there. Patrick? Patrick, what about time for you, though? I mean, I know, and I find it right now, like I, as Steve said, now I don't commute. I get to take the dog for a two, three-mile walk every single day, and it's been life-changing. So um, yeah. you have to find that time for you as well, correct? I, yeah, I, I used to work out before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come but, on. You know. Patrick, seriously, hold on. That's been a big part of your life is taking care of yourself. Are you saying as we do this show, we're doing the middle of, well, the end of June as we do this will be seen later. Has, the, has this pandemic seriously impacted your ability to take care of yourself in terms of exercise? Well, just that I, I, I think we all got a little bit uh, lazier than we need to be. I think it's time to get back in the gym aggressively. And by the way, interesting how Patrick says this, he's not even talking about going to the gym because who the heck knows when you're gonna be able to get into a gym. Right. In the house, I'm not going to promote Peloton, even though John Foley, the CEO, has been with us before. He's a great leader. We'll have him on as well. But I'm a big fan of Peloton because it's a little bit, bike doesn't take up much room. And plus, at my age, I can't get hurt on. I can't pull a hamstring. Right. Okay, you're not even going to respond to that. No, my new Peloton fits right in my basement gym. I have no excuses. <laughs> you, so you're going to do it? Yeah, absolutely. But I love it. Trying to find the shoes in size 14, very difficult. And by the way, Mary, we could do a whole show on how hard it is to clip in your shoes. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not going to. I told you, I have not invested in that yet, but I, I'm still considering it. By the way, Elvin, could you put up on the screen? Five minutes left, thank yeah, you. five minutes. Our, Elvin, talk about leadership. Elvin Badger, who's our director, and Frank Brown handles all the audio. They're always two steps ahead, so they know what I'm going to ask. Part of leadership is thinking how other people think. In the couple minutes we have left, Patrick, I'm going to try this. Um, 
fear. Mary mentioned it a little bit. Anxiety, fear of the unknown, uncertainty. Uh, Patrick, again, um, you can hear he's at his office, right? That being said, do you actually work to manage your own anxiety and fear about the future? And that just doesn't mean staying healthy, which is number one. But number two, I worry about the fiscal realities of our two organizations, our company, Stand and Deliver, and our not-for-profit uh, entity, the Caucus Educational Corporation, which again, Gibbons is a, Gibbons PC is a huge sponsor of, an underwriter of. I, 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 the night I sit down, I'm sitting there with the numbers all the time. Do you do that or are you beyond that? No, 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 no. That's a daily exercise, okay? Uh, and, and has, I think it's intensified greatly during the past 100 days. Um, that you, you're lo always looking at the numbers, you're always looking at the metrics, you're looking at daily receipts, you're looking at hours billed per week, and you're watching the numbers steadily decline as the work continue to you know, be completed or not be completed because the courts were closed or there was no deposition activity. So that's something that we focused on daily because again, I can't control what I can't control, but Go I can ahead. control what's right in front of me. You also can't control focused. who pays when. You did the That's work right. for them, but, but what can you control? You can only control your own response to the stressors that we're all living, right? So, so staying active, being involved in the management of the firm, prodding our partners to keep moving forward, to work on the business interruption claim, to work on the PPP loan, to understand how the loan is going to be forgiven or not to understand that if you get in excess of $2 million, you're going to be audited by the SBA two years from now. So you're putting everything in place so that you're ready when the time comes and you're, you're planning for what this year is going to look like. Are you, always, doing... are you saying, excuse me for interrupting Patrick, are you saying in some ways COVID-19, the government programs around it and everything around it, in spite of all the challenges and difficulties and obstacles and the barriers, has created some opportunities for Gibbons PC? Oh, no doubt about it, because we're rendering legal advice. By the way, keep going. You've been sending out, Patrick, from day one, you and your team been sending out uh, email, e-blast about services, right? Uh, daily, daily. Every one of our practice groups were involved in providing some aspect of guidance or advice relating to their particular area as, as it relates to COVID-19. All right, government affairs has ticked up substantially. We're already the number one lawyer lobbying firm in the state of New Jersey. They're even busier today. Our employment group is as busy today as they've ever been because of all the issues relating employment to issues. Re return to works. And these are these are thorny issues. You know, <laughs> putting your putting your employees, you know, health and safety in the middle of this is something that you have to be concerned about. That has to be your number one priority, just as has been for some of the government officials. <laughs> Mary, one minute left. You know the question we have to ask, Patrick. Through all oh. this, what's the number one what? What's the number one leadership lesson? I, I, it's funny, because we asked you this question way prior to COVID-19, but- I Asked them right, 20 times so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yes. um, right now, after COVID-19, we're right in the thick of it. Uh, what is the biggest leadership lesson you've taken away? You, I'm going to give you the same answer I've given you in the past. Relentless follow-through. Relentless follow-up. That is the number one lesson for a leader. You can't just 
mention something in passing and think it's going to be executed on. You need to follow up. You guys do a particularly good job at that, by the way. We're obsessed. The follow-up, the, the, the confirmation of today's appointment, right? The confirmation of tomorrow's appointment. Very, very strong. Well said. By the way, Patrick and I live by the same rules. Um, you never, we never assume anything is going to get done until it's proven to us twice. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Dunnigan, <laughs> who is the uh, chairman and managing director of Gibbons PC. Uh, we do the Leadership Academy there. He has been engaged and involved to June. Again, Enderweiss, who is your partner and colleague and director there. She's been great. I want to thank you, Patrick, for joining us the entire, every time Patrick joins us, it's the entire show. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Mary. This has been Lessons in Leadership. We'll see you next time. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. I could feel my lungs fill with oxygen, and I got my life back. The sharing network means to me hope, life, and everything. The sharing network was a lifeline to me when I really needed it. We are an organ procurement organization. The core purpose of the New Jersey Sharing Network is to save and enhance lives. To honor those who gave. A tribute to those who received. Offer hope to those who continue to wait. And remember the lives lost while waiting. For the gift of life. Hi, I'm Eric. You might see me as an ordinary person, but I've been living with a brain injury for nearly two years. One of my struggles is short-term memory loss. At Opportunity Project, I'm given hope and support, and I've gained my comments back through the job placement program. Despite my challenges, I have a reason to keep improving. Today, even though life has changed me, I believe that anything is possible. If you have a brain injury, you don't have to face your road to recovery alone.